Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, Kool-Aids. Welcome to Barca Talk. I'm your host, Gaudi Quiroga, here in the Spanish capital. In today's episode, we're going to talk about FC Feminine's Manita over the weekend and obviously Gavi's injury. Before we dive into today's topics, we have a special invitation for all you Barca fans out there. If you're craving more Barca content, we have the perfect hub for you, our Patreon community. It's not just a community, it's a virtual pena where your passion for FC Barcelona finds company and conversation. For $5 a month, here's some of the perks. Dive into commercial-free episodes of Barca Talk. It's all football, no interruption. Be part of our international WhatsApp group where the Barca chatter never ends. Get insightful post-game match reports and obviously help support the podcast. Hit the link in the show notes and join our virtual Pena. All right, let's get into today's episode right after this brief break. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. As I said at the top of the episode, we're going to talk about uh, FCB Femini today and as well as Gabby's injury and to join the conversation i have craig mcguff who joins me craig how you doing really good yourself yeah not bad uh we were just kind of uh talking beforehand just getting ready for the holidays are fastly mm-hmm. approaching uh we have thanksgiving that i'm celebrating this week with american friends all over the place and then christmas is right around the corner so it's exciting times it's thanksgiving thursday yeah and i have uh i have some dinner plans thursday saturday and sunday so it's, I'm gonna be. It's my it's my tenth wedding anniversary on Thursday. Oh, and I have a lot to be thankful for. Uh, she's amazing, so that's pretty cool. We'll both be celebrating. That, that is cool. That is cool. That is cool. Well, we have just two kind of topics that are kind of 
circling FC Barcelona's atmosphere this past couple of days. Obviously, we're going to talk about the Gavi injury, which took most of that, uh, you know, good feelings over the weekend with FCB Femini. But I want to go into that conversation because I think this is one of the first times you actually watched the full match of Femini over the weekend with the Classico. And I put into my WhatsApp group and some other places as well, the Femini, like, give me hope for FC Barcelona football. What, what do you think about that? Does that give you the same kind of feeling as well? So I think we both feel the same vibras or sensaciones, whichever way you want to go with that. But whereas you're looking forward, it made me look back. And I, the only way I could describe it was it felt like a really comfy pair of slippers. I was like, ah, I remember this feeling. Um, and so that was my biggest takeaway was it felt like watching the Barca of many years ago, which was good. So does it give me hope? Do you know what? Not really, if I'm being honest. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer on that, but I think, you know, the men's team have got so many problems, as we spoke about before. But it was just really nice to see a team playing with what I think we all would like to see as our style, moving the ball well, wanting the ball, creating space. The pitch looked massive. And I think that's, again, it's just a sign of good movement, um, really technically gifted, brave on the ball. Um, and I thought it was amazing. And what was really nice is um so my boy who's eight so there's no malice behind this uh behind this question um said ah so daddy are, are men better than women at football and i said no no that's not that's not the case at all i said you know it's uh it's a game for everyone and then obviously after the five nearly he was like yeah Barca women are incredible aren't they and so <laughs> it was just a really nice introduction to him on, on a much bigger topic that we don't have to go into but um yeah what a performance what a team yeah, and, you know, let's just recap a couple of the highlights there. Obviously, 5 nothing victory for the Femini. And I think one of the things when I was watching the match is just seeing the smiling faces of the crowd. I don't know if you kind of picked that up mm-hmm. on that. Everyone was having a good time. Like you just said, good vibes, you know, good vibes all around with the, with the play. And let's just pick out some of the players that maybe stood out to you because I know, you know, you haven't really been following the Femini, but I – you watched the match because we were all talking about it on our WhatsApp group just how how good the match was. And I, my first question is, who was the the player or players that stood out to you? Uh, you know, kind of the first time watching the feminine. I think the the entire the entire front three as a block as a unit played exactly as I'd want my my front three to play. the The movement was was subtle. It wasn't lung busting runs, and it wasn't. Um, it wasn't static. It wasn't three people out there doing their own thing. They were always on the move, but always subtly. The way we used to see where, you know, people would say, Messi just walks. I can't yeah. believe that, you know, I, I can't believe that Etu gets all these goals when all he does is running is running these 10-yard spaces. Yeah. Yes, yeah, because defenders don't know where they're going. And I thought that was the thing that stood out to me was that at the top of the pitch, we never stopped. But it wasn't eye-catching effort. It was just really sensible positioning. And I think one of the big frustrations that we have with the men's team right now is in the front three, we look like we haven't got a clue what we're doing. At best, we get great effort and no real brains. Um, whereas I think what what we saw with the with the Femini on, on the weekend was, was just, it was poetry at times in terms of the positions they were taking up and defenders didn't know what to do. They just did not whether to go, whether to stay, go with runners. There was always an overlap, but the overlap wasn't, you know, it wasn't really obvious, so it wasn't defendable that much. And it was just, it was just nice. It was just nice is a terrible word, but it was just nice. 
it was what time did it kick off 11 o'clock in the morning yeah so it was a cup of tea and just some real good feelings yeah what, 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 would... what about you i mean who stands out for you because you know them better than me yeah and i, I want to kind of go back to when i saw them in person last uh spring with the pena tour I was with Remy and we were watching the match mm. and the first person we both highlighted immediately was Caroline Graham Hansen. To me, yeah, the way she plays the what the right wing is the way that you would want anybody to play the right wing. Her moves always have a destination. As I put in the group, yeah. I said her movement is like I'm want to go to the corner, how am I going to get to the corner? This is what I'm going to do. It's never like yeah. complete impromptu of like how I just ended up with space and here I go. And mm -hmm. by that, she almost scored a golasso off the crossbar. Mm -hmm. She made mm -hmm. the defense look so outnumbered at times, the way she was able mm -hmm. to move and stop and shoot, but also the confidence. You know, she's a world-class yeah. player and you can just tell by the confidence of, you know, the technical ability she has, the veteran savviness she has. To me, when mm -hmm. I watch her and especially in person when I saw her, she like I love watching her play, especially in this system as the winger on there. So to me, that's the first person I have to highlight because every time I see her playing, she elevates the team to another level. Yeah, and and I think this is where this is where good forwards really earn their coin, right? Is when they can give confidence to the rest of the team that they will find a space that they can receive the ball when it's given them and they can do something with it. You mentioned, obviously, the the, the Galatha that would have been incredible off the bar. We, we missed quite a few chances, which I thought was it was nice to see resilience. They could have easily have, have gone gone in the hoof. That's a very British term. Yeah. Gone, gone, you know, had, had a bad mood and and, and got down on themselves. Instead, they went in at halftime 3-0 up where it could have easily been a frustrating 1-0. So, you know, I think those those chances obviously didn't they, they perceived them as good chances rather than bad misses but i think this is this is where a good forward line can really help you it's not just getting goals is it it's it's about giving confidence and it's the willingness to find space and that's you know if if you're doing a direct compare and contrast with where we are in the men's team right now as i said earlier that's that's the biggest thing that jumps out is that we've got people who know inherently how to use space well they're not tripping each other over each other's feet they're not making it easy the game isn't you know, entirely in front of the defense that they're playing against. It was it was really, really good to see. Yeah, you brought up a good point about how they made the pitch look much bigger than it was because of their movement and their spacing, their passing. I mean, just think about how many breakaways they had and the way they were able to create opportunities, you know, when they were in the attacking third. And I think having that variety is something we crave on the men's side. But just to be able to break that, right, obviously you have a world-class sprinter, in Salma, right up the middle, she missed some really good chances. I think she had like at least four quality one-on-ones. Maybe that mm -hmm. is something she needs to work on because she usually doesn't play up the center. She usually plays on the wing. But man, just to have that luxury of speed, and obviously you have Hansen on the right. And again, like you said, they could have easily kind of maybe had a a little bit of a sour attitude of not converting. But again, you know, when you are you know having opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. You know you're going to break the you know break the bank eventually you know and that's exactly what happened three nothing before the half. Now the other player I want to bring up is obviously Aitana. I mean for me she's my crush right now. I love her. I think she whatever she does is glorious <laughs> on the pitch. And watching her play the way she has taken kind of that next level. Obviously being the Ballon d'Or winner, obviously that comes with the accolade. But now mm -hmm. the way she is kind mm -hmm. of managing that midfield kind of taking that away from Alexia in a way 
And the movement that she had, she had a goal and an assist, but the assist to me was very, and I hate to put comparisons, but I mean, it's just something that, you know, you see it, it just comes right off. It's very Iniesta-like. The way she was able to push mm -hmm. that on the end and then cut that back. What was your kind of impressions of seeing her play, you know, in this match and just the way she was able to, you know, you know, control the midfield and also just be so dangerous in attacking? Yeah, I think the comparison's interesting. And I'm fairly sure, it could be wrong, fairly sure that she has referenced the fact that she grew up watching him, right? And you can see, yeah, as yeah. you've said, you can see the style of play. I think you watch games sometimes, don't you? And I'm going to say something really obvious here, but you just see players that are on a different level. And I think it's it's a it's a part of the pitch where if you're good, if you're very good, you look incredible. You know, it's easy to get lost in there. So when you stand out, and you can you can see why she's winning the rewards that she's that why she's winning the awards that she's winning, why she's held in such high regard. Um, I think it would be easy to dismiss the fact that it was a hammering and say, well, yeah, but you know, it was a Isney's performance. That's that's a big game, big pressure. And I think sure. sometimes people can win big, big awards and go into their shell. You know, they can they can feel the burden, they can feel the weight. And yeah, she just plays in a style that's that's free. It is it is in the Esther like. Obviously, I think that's more about the control on the ball and you know the the kind of almost grace across the pitch. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, I can't I, I can't really talk with any knowledge at all about things that have gone on before and whether you know she's picking up a mantle of someone else. If I'm honest, that I'm not your guy for that. But just as a direct analysis of, of the game that was played. You can just see some players that are on different levels, and I think you're right. The two people that you've called out by name, um, yeah, they just look—they just look different class, really. Yeah, and they also have, you know, I think a really great mixture of veterans, you know, like Hanson, for example, and they also mm -hmm. have youngsters who are coming in, and they came in in the second half with about ten minutes, like Vicky, for example, and they come in and they score. Yeah. And you can just see the talent yeah. that is oozing out of the, and the way they're doing the scouting for this team is really. You know, exceptional. I'm really proud mm -hmm. of what FC Barcelona is doing with the Femini because, mm -hmm. you know, obviously they played at the Montjuic. They had about 37K fans. You know, this is something yeah. that we can really use as a revenue to really help us get out of the dark, you know, with, with the men's team mm -hmm. and help the, with the club as mm -hmm. a whole. But more importantly, I just think, you know, as we talked about, the good vibes, I think also – you know, more people can go to these matches and really support the mm -hmm. feminine. It just touches on an audience that maybe was not, you know, connected with FC Barcelona football. And now this kind of connects with young girls, women, anyone, you know, anyone that wasn't maybe into the men's team. So I think that's also a unique point to point out. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's it, the feeling's different, isn't it? And I, I, we've had this conversation before. It's going back a little while. I think it was we've talked about it a lot when we talk about away games and atmosphere and what you want and things like that. And I think I went through a period of my life where all I wanted to be was in the midst of mayhem when I went to football. Uh, you know, definitely had a few years hanging around with groups of people that I shouldn't have been with and blah, 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 blah. And I loved the, I loved the animosity and I loved the, the, maybe the danger of football. And as I've sort of matured and got older, I look at it now and, and what do I want out of a, out of a game of football? I want to be entertained. I want it to be fun. I want it to be a good atmosphere. I'm sort of over the the all or nothing perils of football in the sense of I don't necessarily need two drives going to war anymore. You know, I'm kind of all right with that. And so I looked at the atmosphere, as you mentioned earlier, I looked at the crowd. I looked at small things. I looked at the attitude of the Barca bench. I looked at the fact that things were celebrated in a, in a genuinely collective manner. Like, And, that, and that's not to be patronising. I hope it doesn't, doesn't come across that way. But it was... It was all that's good about football, really, without getting too hyperbolic about it. Whereas I think in the, in the men's game, 
and it might be the same across women's football in general. Again, I'm, I'm I'm the last person that should be giving kind of any perceived wisdom here. But in the men's game, I think we're losing the battle for football a little bit. I think we're losing we're losing the ability for for teams to to try and and make football a sport rather than an all or nothing capitalist competition. Again, that's gone very deep very quickly. But you know, I think it's, it can be quite antagonistic, quite hostile, certainly very expensive, very inaccessible, very fraught with many problems that we see the world over. Whereas it just feels different with what the bars are doing with Femini. It feels like there's, it feels like football's at the heart of it. Whereas I think on the men's side, it feels like money's at the heart of it. And I think what you saw is exactly what was that, which was it, which was a good day. You know, I think the fact that away fans can mix with home fans by and large in Spain is something that's that, that's rightly lauded. Um, you know, we saw Madrid shirts in the crowd, and 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 rightly so, they have the right to go much that game and feel and and feel all right with that. And I'm kind of over the the horrendous atmospheres and stuff like that and it's nice to see that football can win um and i mentioned it maybe the last time we spoke the only thing right now that can truly be held as mesquion club within football club barcelona is is barca femini and you know to go and play like that and that style it's it's just encapsulates where we are i think which is that we've got a shining light in one part of the club and we've just got a whole load of problems elsewhere and i think the men's team could do a lot, a lot worse than look at what they're doing and see if they can replicate. It. And some of that starts with just trying to get the soul back into into what we're doing. Let's try and you know get the fun back. Yeah, and that's that's a great point. And just to kind of tie this off, you know, the feminine again, they've been dominating the league, and they're currently right now in Frankfurt. They're going to play the next uh, match in group stage for Champions League, where they are obviously the table leaders. And right now in the league, they are twenty seven points ahead. And they are leading that as well. So, again, they are definitely, like you said, the light. Um, now it's just really kind of, you know, when you're this dominant, it's, it's how many titles can you win, right, to put you as the all-time, you know, in the pantheon of greats now, right? I mean, they were able to get over the hill last year with the Champions League, even though they were down 2 nothing at half. And now they were able to get through that. And so now it's, now it's a matter of just collecting those titles, right? I mean, to really – set aside at women's football. And I also think what's great about the team, just to kind of tie it off as well, is, you know, being a reference point on this movement and equality for football allows you to entertain the best talent and to retain that fun football, right? And so it's going to be interesting because, for example, Lexi Putelis, her contract ends this season. She did get an offer to go to the U.S., so we'll see how that develops. But at the same time, if she does leave, the team is not so desperate to keep her. They can just keep rolling and bringing you. Yeah. So that's in a good way of that. So I don't know if you have any lasting thoughts or comments about the match, obviously with the five, nothing. I just have a quick stat for you on that. Mm-hmm. Then I found that with the, you know, just to tell you the domination of the uh, Barcelona had 20 total shots on goal to Madrid's three. So that it's is crazy. just, yeah, I know it's crazy, right? Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's mad. And, and as we talked about in the WhatsApp group, you know, there's, there's various different ways of watching it and, and I have a DAZN subscription, you know, boxing is boxing is a real love of mine. And so I pay for DAZN for boxing. And if I'm being honest, I've, I've never really, never really got into, into Femini or, or whatever. I've just, it's never, it's never grabbed me if I'm being brutally honest. Um, but I think it's given me some real food for, for food for thought. So I, I don't think I need to eat any humble pie or anything like that because I've never been disparaging and <laughs> sure, sure. getting like all far far from it. I've just I've just never really invested the time in it. Um and I think what the performance shows me is that I really need to start putting some more some more focus on that because that was some of the most enjoyable football I've seen in a long, long, long time. 
I think it came at the perfect time. You know, there wasn't really any matches at that time. I think if so, my two gripes with this is, you know, Liga should have done better to market this, to have this maybe later on because mm-hmm. they have a huge fan base in LATAM and this was too early, you know, kickstart for that. And then yeah. obviously, you know, my gripes, you know, I pay for the Movistar football package and I could not watch it on my TV, even though the zone has yeah. six channels here at Movistar. I had to find a link. It was a nightmare. Yeah. I was able to watch you know, I'm a I'm a fan of this team, and I want to watch it on TV. I don't want to just stream it. You know, everyone's like, "Oh, just use uh, Amazon." I was like, "Man, I'm paying this much money. Like, the least you can do right. is just put it on TV. That's it." Anyway, they have a lot. You know, they're still fighting for the titles. They are definitely the favorites for all three, and so we'll be following them as well. All right, let's get into some of the bad news and talk about the flossy of football because I'm curious about this. We'll try to keep this short. But obviously, mm. you know, we, we got the bad news over the weekend about Gabi's injury. And obviously there was a lot of debate about the Spanish national team and also Barcelona mm. on how to protect players. And really quick, you know, I don't know if you know this, but in the NBA, this is a hot button topic about load management, right? Because the game now in all sports is faster and more powerful than ever, right? And this is the thing. And when you're asking these players to have the output that is expected of them as it was maybe 10 years ago, 30 years ago, we are just seeing the culmination of injuries that are happening. Now I know that with all these tournaments and all this stuff, it's money for the players and it's, you know, it's, this is all the system, but at the same time, I think we can find a happy medium somehow to protect the players and also get entertainment as well. You know, I don't know what the answer is, but man, Seeing Gabi's injury, and especially we got the diagnosis from Keegan, who was our uh, WhatsApp mm-hmm. orthopedic surgeon, which was great to get that information. But man, you know, he's going to be out for the rest of the season. He hopefully can come back for the Euros, but who knows? But again, you know, what are your kind of thoughts, obviously, on Gabi's injury? I mean, let's talk about Gabi's injury on its impact to FC Barcelona for this season. Let's start with that point. And um, I think it's a big question, right? And And the reason I say that is I think – I don't think we know what we have in Gavi until he's gone. In much of the same way we've been there with a few other players in the past. Now, I think Gavi is incredible. I've, I've been on record saying I think you build a team around him. But he kind of, he emerged and he stayed. And that's that's really unique, really rare. I mean, even Messi, if you think about it, kind of, he was on the bench a lot and he kind of got drip fed to, to an extent. It still felt rushed for an 18-year-old at the time, but it was still reasonably, reasonably phased. Gavi arrived, he stayed. And because it wasn't like Pedri who we'd signed, he kind of emerged seemingly from from nowhere. And so there's been some interesting noise around Gavi. I think some people think he's rash to the point he needs to sit and learn. Some people think that rashness is actually passion. You need to build a team around him. And there's lots of different opinions. All, I think, meet in the middle and say he'll be great in the future. So I think there's, there's two strands of it. One, it's obviously devastating for him as a person. And that's that's fundamentally where we need to be. Secondly, I said two strands is three, sorry. Secondly, as a team, I think it inherently makes us weaker. I think it gives us a real resourcing headache. Thankfully, there's some rules in place that we should hopefully be able to take advantage of, especially with the fact that it allows us to overlook uh, financial fair play. Uh, and I think the the third one, um, yeah, is that I think it allows us to truly understand what we have with him. And I don't want to say it will be a good thing because it can't be. Um but I think it will answer some it'll answer some questions, to be to be brutally honest. So I think there's I think there's three avenues that we can explore depending on depending on which way you want to go, but it undoubtedly makes us weaker. What's what's your thoughts? 
Yeah, I mean, it definitely makes us weaker. Now I'm more concerned about what Xavi's going to do with this lineup because he had depended so much on Gavi, right? Gavi basically has been playing almost every minute available for the last year and a half under Xavi, right? And I'm just concerned about how we go forward. And like you said, I think that's a great point. Maybe we don't realize what we have with Gavi. And now that he's gone, how important he really is. Because it's kind of one of those things, right? Like all the things you mentioned, I completely agree with. The thing is, I know he's an important player, but also he's so young still. And we expect him, we expect so much from him at this young age already. 100%. As you said, I I really think it's going to be interesting to see how Xavi uh, deals with this. Because I think... Mm-hmm. You know, Gabi was able to be kind of our band-aid for a lot of situations. And now that you don't have that, yeah. obviously we have Pedri coming back and Dion coming back. But man, you know, this injury for Gavi, you know, this is one of the most, you know, difficult injuries to have as a footballer. I would say Achilles is up there as well, these two. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you just hope that he's gonna be able to come back to become the same player and to play the same recklessness. But man, I'm just I'm it just weakens our bench so much, you know, because he was able yeah. to patch so many holes. Yeah, I agree. One thing that is interesting to see, to your point about what will Chabi do next, um, is if you look at the debate in, in the newspapers, it's been, will Barca bring in the number nine that they have waiting for them, ready <laughs> to go? Do they, you know, did they, did, did they actually bring this guy in, in in January or do they go and gamble on a pivot? Bizarrely, what this actually allows us to do is to do both, theoretically. Because if we had money for one player, that now can, can turn into because of the financial fair play ramifications. So if we wanted to try and all drink some happy juice and pretend life's all right, what it could open the door for Chavi to is to bring in an actual pivot and to bring in an actual nine in the same window that we couldn't do before. Because I've seen rumours that were that, that were banded around and some of them are decent and some of them don't fill me with much you know joy at all. But the, the, the theory is that we can now go and bring two players instead of one. And the two big gaps that we've got, in my opinion, is someone at top and someone in the pivot. And so maybe if we don't all fully agree that, that Gavi is the is the pivot, because we've discussed it together, but it's a gamble fundamentally because we don't know yet. So he might be great, might be terrible in that role exclusively. It could allow us to, you know, to, to, to literally fill both of our voids, but... I think that's best case scenario. If you're war gaming, that's best case scenario. The worst case scenario, as you've mentioned, is that we can't replace him. We're one less down on the bench. Pedri comes back, he gets injured again. Dion comes back, he gets injured again, and we are genuinely up shit creek without a paddle. Yeah, I mean, I would say the only good thing about this in that Real Madrid is also suffering from major injuries as well. So it's not just a FC Barcelona issue. It's a club issue that's happening around Europe. And we do have a question from Carlos, and you know, this goes to more about the blame to Spain. And he just asks, when will Spain stop abusing, uh, using Barca's young talent? You know, obviously talking about Pedri first, now this, and obviously what could happen with Laminia Mall. I don't know, man. I It's it's one of those difficult decisions because it's, you know, everyone has different interests, you know? For example, uh, La Fuente has an interest to qualify. It wasn't a completely meaningless game, but yeah. it was against Georgia. And the other thing is, you're telling me you can't, sub another player for i'm not I, i'm not trying to say the gavi issue but i'm just trying to say like to give some more playing time to other people are you really yeah. that concerned about georgia for example your spain i understand there's you know, different interests and i think that's the biggest issue you know yeah do you know where i struggle it is it is on is on two things really related to that question the first one is i don't think we can have our cake and eat it we mm. can't simultaneously ex- want all these young talents and not expect them to play their national sure. team. 
Uh, obviously, I think Carlos, the question is more about Lord than, yeah, than, yeah, than yeah. playing. I fully, I fully take that on board. Um, but fundamentally, to your point, if you're a national team manager, you should pick your best players. And if a player turns up uh, and says he's ready to play, then, then I think they have a right to play them. That's that's the first thing. My main point of contention is, is just the way international football works at, right now. Bizarrely, for one of the most dysfunctional organisations in world football, I think Commonwealth are actually one of the few that get it right. Because, you know, it's a big list of t- teams, you play each other, it's competitive. Most of those games have some level of ramification. Yes, don't get me wrong, a lot of the same teams qualify, but but theoretically, I can see the logic. Where I struggle with European football specifically is, let's take that group, right? Now, I'm saying this as a Scot, I'm saying this as a very proud Scot, but I'm saying that as a Scot that understands where we sit in world football. If you're Spain, you look at your group and you say, right, Spain, in fact, forget the fact that you're Spain, be any football fan that's watched football for more than 10 minutes. You look at that group and you say Spain will qualify and then Scotland and Norway will fight it out for second. Probably Norway. Scotland might do a good job on a good day, but fundamentally, Georgia have got no chance. Cyprus have got no chance. Spain, therefore, in my opinion, have at best 50% of their games pointless pointless because they'll take enough points to get through it and if they beat a combination of Norway and Scotland once they'll probably go through so realistically if you're Scotland you have more meaningful games but fundamentally if we know that we should take six from Georgia we should take six from Cyprus if we take something from Norway we go through the vast majority of com- of groups before you pick them up and it's the same gripe I have with the Champions League because of the seeding system you can basically go through, and with minimal exceptions, you can go, well, they'll go through, they'll go through, and you're debating second place. So if you're a big nation who have the biggest talent pool, what do you do? Because a lot of your games you should roll over and win. If you don't, all of a sudden everyone thinks you're terrible and you've got to keep these players happy. I just think international football is flawed and you can't simultaneously have the club product that they want to make all the money and go and send these players to the arse end of nowhere to go and play a meaningless game on shit pitches against shit players in shit conditions when they're already tired. So I think I have no, I personally have no issue with De La Fuente playing Gabby at all. He turned up to play, he should be ready to play. It's up to Gavi, it's up to his club to protect him. De La Fuente has one objective, and that is to pick the best squad that he sure. thinks he has available. And Gavi was objectively available. My big problem lies in international football in general. It is, by and large, a massive waste of time. And if Messi hadn't just won the World Cup, to completely make my point hypocritical in terms <laughs> of how I feel about it, I would say the whole thing is pointless. Club yeah. football has just, just jumped the void now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know that's the thing right with the with the international football it's just yeah i for me i'm mixed because i love i still love the international competitions and i know you have to go through the qualifications and do all the things i'm you know i've been thinking about this cuz i've heard on different podcasts everyone talking about this situation and i was like you know how if i were the sports czar you know of international football what would i do to try to you know, think of a situation or a solution for this. And the only thing I can really think of is maybe just creating more uh, spots for the club teams, you know, maybe have more spots because if you do have these injuries, you don't have the ramifications of your team, right? Like it's not like, for example, with the, the with money the, though, isn't it? I know. I know that money. It falls immediately. I know. I know. But that's the thing. It's like, for example, in professional football, you're allowed to have like two spots, on the game day that are just like emergency, you know, in case of emergency, you can use those players type of issue. Right. And that's what I'm just saying, because 
if you're going to, you know, have these demands on these players, okay, I understand money, competition stuff, but also maybe have on the backside a little protection for the club to have maybe two more roster spots where they can have those, you know, extra spots where, I don't know, maybe it's a under 21 or something like that. I'm just trying to think of different solutions because, like you said, we're producing the young talent. And, of course, Spain wants to use those young talents to qualify. That is completely natural. And like mm-hmm. I said, De La Fuente has no – uh, you know, for me, I don't have an issue with him as in to go for the best talent to win the games. I just don't like him as a person, as a coach. So that's a different mm-hmm. thing. But again, I just I don't know how this gets resolved, because as we've seen, we've seen Vinicius Jr. out for eight weeks, Kamavinga out for 10 weeks. You know, so we have all these high profile. Yeah. I mean, you know, we just saw in our WhatsApp group that we shared the the starting 11 of ACL injuries. I mean, it's uh, crazy to have even a starting 11, you know, so. Yeah, I think to me, like and this is just spur of the moment thinking this sure. could sound horrendous when I listen to it back and it could fail within seconds. To me, there's two things that f- football needs to do. Number one is they need to remove the restrictions around um, being unable to not turn up for your national side. I think they need to remove that because right now the process is if you're ill, you have to, oh, sorry, injured, you have to turn up and they have to release you back to your club. Complete, completely yeah, nonsensical. Yeah. Imagine, imagine, if you're, imagine if you're based in Spain and you play for, um, I don't know, um, the Ivory Coast. That's yeah. such a needless journey on so many fronts, environmental, financial, just ridiculous. They need to remove that and they need to put some more faith back into the clubs. I think the club should have more power to say this player is not coming, but you should have to give a reason. And there should be a metric of where where that load is. If you've played more than X percent of your games, surely that's a figure that people as clever as Keegan can work out because I wouldn't try, but he's a genius. So I'm sure someone could work that out. But this, so one, I think you should be able to have players say no more without ramifications. And I think the second thing is they need to relook at the format. And I think they should play less games, but they should be more meaningful. And then they should use friendlies to blood talent. So for example, if you look at the Euros this this year, England role is going to go through, Spain role is going to go through, blah, blah, blah. Would it not make more sense to play less games? So for example, if you think only realistically three games are meaningless, put them into smaller groups, make those teams closer together. The Nations League format, minus the fact it's meaningless, basically, is actually really good. It just means nothing. If I, in yeah. my opinion, they need to take what they've done with the Nations League, but make that count because those games are always in. Well, I say always. They're large interest to watch because teams are closely ranked with each other, and it would mean more. And they would play less games, less games, more quality. Bring them closer together. Stop letting big clubs and big countries get a pass to tournaments. Yeah, there, there is no fun, and I'm telling you this as someone who is from a nation that is largely shite at football. There is no fun in watching your team get beat 5 0, knowing sure. that you're not going to qualify anyway. It is pointless. Or 14 nothing, like France. Or 14 um, nothing. Yeah, what, yeah. What, what is the point of that game? What yeah, is yeah. the point of that game? To break the record. Everyone concerned. Yeah, to break the record, as Sean said at halftime. He said, just to let you know, the record is uh, nine. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Something like this. You know, like um, gen- genuinely, apart from Olivier Giroud, no one won there. And yet, if yeah, you know, yeah. someone goes and ends their career which is possible all it takes is one player sure. annoyed loses a pride and just half someone it's it's bizarre yeah i mean going back with the nations league you know it's it's one of those things like you said i like the format too but just get rid of the nations league like that's mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the thing you know just mm-hmm. just focus on the euro qualify yeah <sighs> i'm yeah i mean man it's just going to be a rough go now because you know definitely you know gabi is one of those players that we talked about in not only in the, in the podcast, but also in the group and stuff. It's just, you know, he's one of those players that you love to watch 
for your team. You know, you know, there are very few and far between of those players that have that fiery passion. And, you know, hopefully he has a speedy recovery. I don't know if you saw the video today that FC Barcelona published of him greeting the team, you know, as, you know, yeah. you can just see the love that everyone has for him. So that's the other thing. They know yeah. how important he is. Uh, and I also do love the awkward hug that Xavi gave him as well. So that's also fun <laughs> for me. I, lo- I love awkward hugs, man. I just love it. Like the Apollo Creed Rocky uh hug yeah, yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> like 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 when me and you met in that bar in the correct um, correct exactly did exactly. you see did, did you see that alleged apparently i've not i only saw the i only saw a tweet i didn't see anything beyond that but supposedly florentino perez has, has, has sent a message to gabby saying you know our names get back stronger and all that kind of thing um i do wonder if if that's how widespread that the concern is now going to the amount of injuries i do I, I do wonder if it's gone too far now and if after this season you know, in the UK, you've had Klopp find, I don't know how many times, yeah. complaining about it, Pep's whinged about it. And I think that's where it's been perceived, it's whinging its moans. I think now what it seems to me that it's now actually switching to genuine concern about how often players are getting injured. And if you've got people like Florentino Perez writing to a, yeah, yeah, yeah. an ardent Barcelona, um, you know, icon, I wonder if we've gone slightly too far and hopefully something will get done about it. I think it's curious too, because, you know, with all the data that we have, it's really hard to put into context because this is the first time we had a World Cup in the winter. You're talking about last fall being all the way played through essentially, right? So, you know, hopefully it resets itself, you know, after the next World Cup that will be back in the summer. So hopefully that'll kind of reset itself. But yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is a genuine concern. And that's the thing, you know, especially from the club point of view, they invest so much money with these players. And, you know, we're, we're not just talking about, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, bottom feeder players, you know, you're talking top Mm -hmm. of the, the top of the food chain that provide eyes for television for the league. You know, that's the reason why you're kind of watching these matches for their superstar players. Well, uh, well, Barca plays Rio this weekend, early match, uh, two o'clock local kick time, here before we go i do need to give a shout out to nab deep from our patreon group who did an outstanding statistical analysis job about barca's attacking this season he provided grabber i I thought it was so great because he's like i was bored at work and i just did this and i was like what (laughs) and i and you know i love data i work in data so when i saw this i was like oh my god this is amazing and basically, Navdeep broke it down for us, and it was spectacular. So, Navdeep, thank you very much for sharing that information with us. And it was funny because basically we came to the conclusion that our attack is shite. This is basically, <laughs> but more statistical yeah. analysis of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's the yeah, the, the crux of my job, just going to banks and telling them that things are shite. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it was very good. Props to him. Props to him. Yeah, so next match is Rio and... We'll be we'll back to La Liga this weekend. Craig, thanks for joining me as always. always we will a talk next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.